I don't know why John has to do this right before I preach, put these talented people in front of me. Um, we're going to be blessed to have Aaron um, also as the, at the back end of our worship service lead us with some music. And also, I just want to say now, so I don't forget later, um, Aaron's got a, a table in the gathering place, and you can say hello, and he's got some of his, some of his music and things if you want to stop there um, after the, uh, to the worship service. There's very few times that I sit there and go, man, I, I wouldn't mind having more than three worship services on a Sunday morning. But if I could hear more of that, I'd have taken four or five today. Um, so we're very blessed and very thankful for that. We have a, another um, blessing. Actually, before I get to the, to the blankets this morning, let me share with you because I don't want to forget. Um, in addition to the, to the prayers that, w- that we have, you see in your bulletin uh, that Sue Ellen Campbell passed away this week. And many of you know Sue Ellen. We've prayed for her for a long time. Uh, yeah, she, she passed away. So we want to keep her family and, and friends lifted up in prayer. And um, the, her services, the information for her services um, will be, the service will be this Friday, November 22nd, at the um, Robert Toll and Sons Funeral Home in Bradenton. We'll have the address at the church if you want. It'll be 1.30 to 3.30 will be the viewing and the, at 3.30 will be the service followed by a reception. So again, we'll have this information for you um, if you want to get it from me later. But I want to ask you to keep, keep the family and, and friends and, and many in, in your prayers. Also, um, you see before us today, again, our, a blanket blessing Sunday. And um, this, is, this is, it's always special every time we do this. And if this is new for you, I'll explain it. Um, in just a moment, but uh, Alma had shared with me um, in a note this week, this is the sixth uh, anniversary of the start of, of this blanket ministry. And um, in the six years, just to update you, this brings a total of over 1,900 blankets that have been made and given out. And, um, and, and I love to tell the story, and I know some of you are like, oh my gosh, she's telling this again, but I'm going to um, you know, because it's just such a wonderful story about how God works. And, and I say, you know, this didn't start with my idea. It didn't start with pastoral staff or ministry staff. This started with something God placed on Alma's heart. She came to me and said, I really want to do this. And, and God spoke to me and said, get out of her way. And, and that's sometimes the best thing I can do is get out of her way. And, and, and so what she's done in leading and brought many of you on board with it. And, and let me ask, how many of you have been a part of making blankets for the blanket ministry? Would you raise a hand? Others smattering in every service. I think it was 12. Thank you. Yeah. 12, 12 that have been a part of this um, group of blankets, and, and they have gone all over the, uh, all over the world. We, we know, in fact, and we had, and I forgot to mention this in the first service, some of the blankets are now going to the, um, help me, Minnesota Pregnancy Center. Am I saying that right? Okay. So some of them are going to the pregnancy center. They've gone all kinds of places. And um, we just, you know, just couldn't be more thankful for the way God has used it. I had somebody come up in the, after the first service and said that on one of her first Sundays here, we did a blanket blessing. And she took a blanket and she went back home to her church in New York and took the blanket to them and they started it. So, you know, that's just wonderful ways that God works. And so we're very, very excited 
Now, if you're new, just allow me, those of you that know, the, know this, just bear with me so I can explain so everybody knows. Um, these blankets, there are baby blankets here, and there are kind of bigger, more full-size blankets here. And then there's also these, did I put one? We've got the, um, the pocket blankets. The pocket blankets are um, for you to take, for you if you'd like. But the bigger blankets, the, the, the idea behind that is if you know someone who could use one. Um, whether they be um, new parents or grandparents for a baby or somebody in a nursing home or in the hospital or somebody just needing to be kind of lifted up, then take one. Take one when you leave today. And the idea is then take it to somebody. Now, I always say if you really need one for you, you can do that too. But, but the idea is they become a way for us to reach out. And these become a tangible reminder of God's love and our prayers Sometimes it's good to have something hold and to touch, just to remind us of what we call an outward and a visible sign of an inward and a spiritual grace. So they will be here. We're going to pray for them. And then after worship, after communion, um, during that time, if you'd like to take one, um, that we would encourage you to do that. Alma, did I forget anything? Okay, thank you. All right, let's, let's pray for these. Let's, let's do, a, do a blessing. Lord, thank you for, for these blankets. I am so thankful for the, the, the heart, the, the burden you placed on Alma's heart for this ministry, for her leadership, and for all those who at now or any time in these six years have been a part of this, who have brought their, their talents and their gifts and used them to, to bless others, and for the stories of how people have been touched and encouraged and strengthened by this ministry. Lord, you know every hand that will receive these, every baby that will be warmed, every, every hand that will hold them. Bless them and, and be real. May your Holy Spirit work, bringing peace and comfort in every circumstance and situation. And may these blankets be a reminder for us of the many ways that you use us to live your love. This is our prayer. We ask it in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's, uh, let's shift gears now. We, we turn this morning to the fourth and final sermon in fourth and final sermon in our uh, in our sermon series that we've been in called all in all in and and I told you at the very beginning if you were here the very first week I said that we're going to talk uh, a, a number of times about who God says we are the, the opportunity God gives us to receive an identity through faith. What our identity is in Christ. And, and that identity says to all of us that you're invited. No matter what your story, no matter what your, your experience, you're invited into the relationship and, and into a place at the table. And it says that, that, that you're invaluable. Your gifts, your talents, your, the way God has crafted and made you. You're invaluable and you're influential. That God gives you an opportunity to use that to, to have an impact on someone else. And so these are, these are the opportunities, the truths that God speaks to us about our identity. But I also foreshadowed that there'd also be some talk about our, our God's expectations, God's desire for us as we live into this. And, and that's what we talk about today with being invested God's desire for us to not only claim these truths and these promises, to to open our hearts to receive the blessing, but for us to be the blessing and to invest ourselves in the work that God has for us, invest ourselves in the church. Now, some of you in your journeys right now are thinking, well, this one isn't going to apply to me because I'm not invested. And you're thinking I'm not invested because maybe you're not yet invested in the ministry of the church. And that's okay. 
because we're all in different places in our journey. But, but don't tune out because the truth is you are invested. We're all invested. It's just a matter of what we're invested in. Our, our life is full of living into the things that we've invested ourselves in because our behavior follows the investment. Our heart follows our investments. So, so it's just a matter of in what places. I was, I was thinking about this last Sunday night. Well, toning our home and watching football as we do on Sundays. And, and, um, and I hate to use this as an example because some of you Packer heads are going to pop up. And I'm watching the Packers play. It was the only game on. I didn't have a choice. And, um, but it's snowing. And I'm like, why do you go to a football game in the snow? Why do you sit out there and freeze when you can be in front of a big screen TV at home watching the game? Well, what's that? Because it's not real football? No, it's not. I heard you. I'm ignoring you. But, but the truth is, and somebody at the first service said, is because they own the team. You know, and I'd forgotten about the way the Packers are invested. But, but the thing is, why do people do it? Well, because they've invested. They've bought the ticket. They're invested in the community. They're invested in the experience. They're invested in being there for the team. So they sit out in snow and ridiculous temperatures to watch football. And the truth is, I've done it just in different places. I've gone to Raymond James and watched football in the pouring rain because I bought the ticket. And that seat's paid for. And I'm going to sit in it, you know, because you invest. So, so my, my point is, we could go. There's just so many ways this gets lived out that our behavior follows our investment. I don't, most of you probably, if we're honest, are like me, that when you go to a supermarket uh, or you go to the mall or you go to some, some parking lot area, you, you generally pick the, the closest spot that you see. You may not drive around in circles, but you know, if you see a, a, clo- a spot up close, you're going to go park there. You're going to shorten your walk. Unless you're you know, really health conscious, you're going to shorten your walk up. Anybody else do that? Are we honest enough? Do you do that? Okay. How many of you change your behavior when you buy a new car? How many of you ever bought a brand new car and all of a sudden I'm parking way out in the back, right? Because you don't, you're protecting your investment, right? You're invested in this and you'll do that until it gets the ding and it starts to get a little warm. Then you'll go back to parking where you were before. Our, our behavior follows our investment. When I had the experience of, of teaching um, at the time at, at, at Pasco Hernando Community College, now State College, uh, it was an interesting thing that I observed over the years that I taught there because generally in, in the classes I taught, and they were entry-level um, courses, kind of elective courses for an AA degree, uh, there were two groups of students. One group was your what I would consider your kind of stereotypical traditional college-age student. They were either high schoolers doing dual enrollment, so they were seniors in high school, about 18-year-olds, or they were the, the young people that were just out of high school, 19, 20-year-olds, and they were working toward their AA degree to go on maybe to get their bachelor's degree. So kind of what you normally think of for college age. But because it was a, at, again, at that time, community college, there was also another group of students, about equally um, dispersed, and that was 30, 40, and 50-year-olds who had come back to school. They were coming back to start an education because they had other paths, they'd had other experiences in life, and now they felt a desire to do something or follow a, a career path where they needed to get an education that they hadn't gotten at, the, kind of at that more quote-unquote traditional age. And so they were coming back sometimes after 20 and 25 years out of, out of studying, so you, so you had these kind of two groups 
that would be there um, taking classes, and a lot of times there were evening classes. And here's what I noticed, that if I was going to have a student or two, and I always did have one or two students, that would just essentially blow the class off, you know, that wouldn't show up for the lectures, didn't do half the assignments, sometimes didn't pass the course, sometimes if they did, they did it by the skin of their teeth. Um, If that was going to happen, it always was one of the young people. Every time, now it wasn't all of them, I'm not not broad brushing, most of the, the, the young people did great. But if I had somebody that just was not going to put in any effort, it was always one of the 18, 19, 20 year olds. And here's what I learned about that. This was the other truth. They weren't paying for it. They weren't paying for it. The parents were paying for it. They were going to college because it was expected of them. They weren't invested. You know who never blew off classes, who never failed to turn in assignments, who always showed up? The 30, 40, and 50-year-olds. Because they were invested. One, they had, a, they had a... Now, sometimes they would share with me. They had been the 18, 19, and 20-year-old that had blown off classes. But something had changed. One, they were... They were investing their own resources. And when you invest, you, you, you tend to, when you put something on the line, you tend to, to, to milk the opportunity for every, everything you can get out of it. But they were also invested emotionally or professionally. And so, you know, you'd see this. And, and so it speaks to me about this reality. For, we're all invested in something. And, and, and our behavior, our heart follows that. Our, our patterns of, of activity follow that. It reveals that about us. And so that question becomes, what are we invested in? Being invested is a part of life. The, 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 the challenge for us, and I think what God's word says, what Jesus would say to us today, is are you invested in the right things? Because the word that God speaks to us is, is the question of, are we invested in the things that make a difference? Are we invested in the things that have eternal significance? Are we invested in the things that God has called us to? Are we invested in the things that are about the work of serving and lifting up the name of Jesus? That's where our scripture leads us this morning. In Matthew 6, just three verses. Three verses in the the, the heart of the Sermon on the Mount. uh, The heart in this long sermon, as I've said to you before, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's all red letters. It's all the things that Jesus is teaching. And, and here in the middle of, of, kind of really right in the middle of that, this is what Jesus says in verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Friends and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, that we would hear through this and through the the fullness of your word, your your challenge to us. And and who we are called to be and, and the lives that we're called to lead in Christ. So speak to us in these moments. May your Holy Spirit guide the words that are spoken and guide our hearts to receive. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen. What I think Jesus asks us, what the, what the scriptures challenge us to reflect upon for, for our, self, our self-evaluation is are we invested 
in things that make a difference? Are we invested in things that matter? If we own that we're all invested in something, you can, you can, you can think through your life and your behavior. I, I've, I've heard it said before, it's not my thought, but the, the most powerful theological statement we make is our checkbooks. You know, and start to see, for some of the young people, I'll have to explain a checkbook later. But, um, <laughs> um, but, but, but where do we invest our, our resources? But it's not just about money. It's our time and our gifts and our talents. Are we invested in the, in the things that make a difference? Because here's the truth, and this is the statement that really is at the heart of this, this message. If you walk away remembering anything, remember these words. And, and I want to give credit because it's not my original thought. It comes from a pastor by the name of, of Craig Groeschel. But he said it like this. We were created and we are called to pour, not to store. We are called to pour, not to store. But our, our default is, is to store. And, and what happens is we, we start, and this is the point in the sermon where people are starting to get nervous. Because you're like, oh man, I walked in on a giving sermon. And you did. And you did. And I say that unapologetically. But, but here's what I, I believe about us. We, we love to give. You, you love to give. You do. Because when I talk to people, and they tell me moments of significance in their lives, they talk about experiences that were both emotional and, and, and life-giving and blessed, I have never heard anybody come up to me and say, oh, let me tell you how blessed I was that time I went out and I spent $2,000 on this brand new bracelet for me, and I put it on my credit card at 19% interest. What a deal. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying that we don't buy things for ourselves, but, but those aren't the stories people come and tell me about. You know, you know what I hear? I hear the stories of people telling me times they, they gave. They, they did something for someone else. They, they invested themselves in, in a ministry or a work or an act of service, and it blessed them. Stephen ministers can tell you this. Um, visitation ministers, Renee, uh, where's Renee? Where are you at, Renee? Where are you at? Back, right, Renee back, who, who does visitation so faithfully for the church. I know she'll echo this story. There's so many times you go into a, a setting thinking you're going to be a blessing to somebody else. You're going to visit them. You're going to give them, and you walk out going, I just got blessed. I've, I've walked out of hospital rooms thinking I was the one that, that got the blessing, not the one that gave it. Because so often, we're, so we're wired to give. I was having a conversation this week with somebody. And in the course of the conversation, this story naturally came up. It, it wasn't a story they were telling to pat themselves on the back. But they were talking about being at, at a steakhouse just last week. And they were sharing with me that as they were sitting there eating, the table next to them had finished their meal and they dined and, and ditched. You know what a dine and ditch is? You know, they, they ate their food and they snuck out and they didn't pay the bill. And what happens is when you, when you do that, when you do a dine and ditch or a dine and dash, the server gets stuck with the bill. The server has to eat that out of what they get paid. And so this individual heard the server kind of lamenting that to a colleague. You know, I, I've got I've to, you know, I've got to eat that now. And they heard that, and they went to the server when he, when he came to their table and said, give us the bill. Give us the bill. And they weren't doing it for that pe those people at that table. They were doing it because they could, 
and they wanted to do it for this young man who was waiting on their table. Now, again, they weren't telling me that, coming up, going, patting themselves on the back. They were telling me because that was what was memorable. That was what was up the powerful, the expression of gratitude is what made that meal and made that act so rewarding for them. They didn't tell me about the steak that they had or the meal that they had or the ambiance of the the place they were in. They told me about the opportunity they had in that moment based on what God had given to them to give to somebody else. And here's what I believe. You all have those kinds of stories in different ways, in different places, in different... It may not be financial. It could be in other things. But, but moments where you've done something for someone else, you've been a blessing to somebody, and you've been blessed, and you've found joy in that. I, I don't think giving is, is a hard thing for us. I think we're wired for it. But we have to sometimes ask ourselves the challenging question. And we have, to, we, have to, we have to be willing to look at our mindset. Because what happens is what inhibits our giving, what inhibits our generosity, what restricts us from, from living into this invested life that God calls us to, is that some of us, and, and I'm chief among sinners here, fall into a, a mindset of scarcity. A mindset of scarcity is a mindset that says, I have to be careful because there's not enough. A mindset of scarcity says, turns us into hoarders rather than pourers because we become afraid. There's only so many pieces of the pie and I have to get mine. We used to sit around our dinner table when I was growing up and, and I've told you before, most of you know, I'm the oldest of three boys. And so we ate, we ate really fast. And the reason we ate fast is because you had to eat faster than the other two if you wanted to get seconds. It was a race to get, because there was only so much on the table. And we didn't want to have, I didn't want my brothers to get more than me, so I had to out-eat them to get the next helping. That's in a mindset of scarcity, right? I got to get it. Got to get it for me. And, and we, we fall into that, and it's dangerous. It's spiritually dangerous. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a story. And, and I talked about this not too long ago, but he tells a story of, a, of a, a farmer who's blessed. And he's blessed in abundance. And he's blessed with such a bountiful crop that he has more than he knows what to do with. So what does he do? He becomes ruled by a mindset of scarcity. And he builds, rather than sharing and blessing others, he builds bigger barns. Got to keep it, because what if? What if? And Jesus has a harsh word. For that. In fact, that night it says the angel appears and says, You fool. You fool. This night your life will be demanded of you because you are not generous toward God. And if you read that story and it doesn't make you squirm a little bit, go read it again. Because we fall in. And again, I do. I do. I'm not, I'm, I'm not sitting there saying, You've got this struggle. I'm telling you, I've got this struggle. It becomes this, this, this mindset that there's, there's just not going to be enough and I have to protect it. And when we get into that, we begin to live for self, not for others. We begin to keep rather than to share. We become self-preserving rather than invested. And what Christ calls us to, what God's word calls us to, is a different mindset. Not of, of scarcity, but of abundance of recognizing that what God does is how frequently God takes a little and does so much more with it. When when we began this series four weeks ago, the first story we looked at in the gospel was the story of the woman who came to Jesus, the, the prostitute, 
who came to Jesus and anointed his feet with oil, who wept and dried his feet with her hair, who took a a valuable commodity, a, a jar of perfume that was a year's wages, probably everything she had, and she poured it out on Jesus' feet. She did it out of an abundance of gratitude for what she'd been given, saying that anything I give pales in comparison to what Christ has given me. And it's this act of, of, of generosity and this act of recognition of, of who Christ was and what Christ was doing for her. Now, it's interesting. There's parallel stories in the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew. They're a little different, but they're very similar in a lot of ways. And, and they're told it's the anointing at Bethany. Both of, both of those Gospel writers tell the story right before the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus. And the story is a little bit of a foreshadowing for that. And in the home of Simon the leper, the woman comes with, again, the jar of valuable oil, and she anoints Jesus' head. It's very much, like I said, it's it's a foreshadowing of the preparation for death. But when she does, and she does this act of of gratitude and generosity and, and, and abundance, there's a tension because it says that some of the disciples got irritated. And scholars, a lot of scholars kind of, Put this on Judas. I don't know how fair that is. I think Judas is kind of the easy villain in this, but I have no reason to believe that he wasn't a part of this. But, but the question becomes, that jar, that was valuable. We could have done so much more with it. Rather than just wasting it, we could have used it to feed the poor. And why they think it was Judas, they think it was a little bit of a cloak. You know, feed the poor means we could have kept it. Because the very next thing the scriptures tell us is that Judas went and betrayed Jesus. And remember what he betrayed Jesus for? Money. For money. But, but the point being, Jesus rebukes that. Jesus says what this woman has done is, is beautiful. He says, what this woman has done will be remembered. You will always have needy with you. You'll always have an opportunity to meet those needs, but I am with you but a short time. Her story will be told. I think what Jesus meant was in 2,000 years, a preacher by the name of Chris is going to stand up in front of a congregation is going to tell her story. And preachers all around the world will tell her story. And that's what we've done for 2,000 years. Because of her abundance. She didn't see loss. She saw gain. She saw what she could give out of a heart of, of, of gratitude. But, but she's met with a mindset of scarcity. And that's what the, the disciples are living into. We, we are challenged to ask ourselves what mindset governs our behavior. Because where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. The heart and the behavior follows the investment. So if... If somebody was to walk around with you for a week or two weeks or a month and just chart your behavior, chart your activity, chart the things you do, what would they say is the investment of your life after the time together? Where would they say you are invested? Where would they say I am invested? We, we have to, to, to recognize how God works. There's another story that that Jesus tells, one that's, or not a story, an experience, I should say, in the life of, of Jesus that is probably very familiar to, to many of you. And it's in Luke chapter 9. And it is the feeding of the 5,000. And it begins with fatigue. It, it, it really, the heart of it is, is fatigue. I don't how many of you have you ever sat in a sermon that just went on, wait, wait a minute, um, <laughs> How many of you have ever been at another church where the preacher went on way too long? Uh, Don't raise your hand. I'm kidding. Um, But 
But we've all been there in anything where just things went on too long. Now, I don't know if that was truly what's going on, but, but we get this, this, this setup where Jesus is teaching and preaching and coming, people are coming to see him. And the scripture says that late in the day, I think that's the key, late in the day, the disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, send the people away. They need to eat. There was 5,000 people, and that's really not how many were there because I've, I've told you before, the count in the time of Jesus would have been men only. So that's 5,000 men are in the crowd. That doesn't count women and children. By some scholars, it could have been ten or 15,000 people there. And so they say, you need to send them away because the people are getting hungry. I think that's a smokescreen. I think the disciples are getting hungry. And they're saying, Jesus, benediction time. Let's wrap it up. We want to eat. And Jesus says something that you just have to really catch the absurdity of it. You've got to not read it like you know it. Because Jesus says to him, it's just the, the craziest statement. He says, you feed them. Now look, we have every amenity known to us. If I told you to feed 10,000 people, you'd say, I was out of my ever-loving mind. They're on a hillside in Galilee. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they say, look, we've got, we've got five loaves and two fish. We basically got a long John Silver's meal here. What are we feeding them? It's a mindset of scarcity. There's just not enough. And Jesus does something remarkable. And, and it's not just the miracle, but it, the, the scripture doesn't kind of spell out exactly what it looked like. But it says that he blessed it, and they began to distribute it. And it kept being distributed. And, and the image that I get, and the impression, it's, it's not that Jesus blessed it, and all of a sudden there were 50 basketfuls. Jesus blessed it, and they just started to share it. Five loaves and two fish. And they just kept sharing five loaves and two fish. It wasn't all of a sudden that it became more than enough. It was in their sharing that God did the multiplying. Now, do, do you hear that? In their giving, God did the multiplying. If you are like me, what I prefer is God to multiply it, then I'll give it. But it's not the way it worked. They gave and God multiplied. And at the end, 12 baskets of leftovers. Twelve, now symbolic because of 12 and the 12 tribes, but also there were 12 disciples. And I think it was a little bit of a, an object lesson. Hey, guys, look how much God can do with what you give. Every, each, each of you take a basket just to remember out of the scarcity comes abundance. For us, our, our, our challenge is to, to own into this that, again, we are called to pour, not to store. And to recognize that what God does is he takes the things that we give. And I'm not just talking money. I'm talking about our talents. I'm talking about our time. I mean, we are up here today, 1,900 blankets that have been distributed. 1,900 on the efforts of handfuls of some of you that have taken something you are good at. And you have a, a talent to do. Making blankets. And not one person has made 1,900 blankets, but all who have been a part of this are responsible for 1,900 blankets that have gone and been blessed. God takes a little and turns it into an abundance. Our, our time, our talents, volunteers that spend time at thrift stores and, and, and volunteer their time. And then, you know what, I, I'll tell you, and, and, I, and I brag, I've never had a moment in the office where somebody's come in with a need, a family, or somebody's come up and say, we've got this need, and these folks don't have any money, or the situation, there's no finances, where I haven't walked over either to the annex or to the cottage and talked to the volunteers, talked to some of you, and said, this is what's going on. And all of a sudden, boom, it's there. Take what you need. Let's get it. Let's give it away. 
Let's give it away. Let's take what we have. Let's take the time. Let's take the energy. Take the investment of talents. And let's use it to bless others. And we could say that for, for our food pantry. We could say that for our, our food ministry and the people that volunteer and hundreds and thousands of people that have been fed on the investment of time and talents. And last year, I shared that story after Christmas when we bought all those Christmas gifts, like, again, we're going to do. And I told you, I stood at that tree at Blackburn Elementary and had no idea how many tags to take. Because I don't know how much our church could support. And I just kept taking them. And God said, take more, take more, take more. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, we have an abundance of gifts that are given to kids that otherwise wouldn't have a Christmas. I could do this all day long. All day long. Of the ways that God uses our investment to bless. Are you invested? Are you invested? Are you designed? Are you living into a store or a poor mentality? P-O-U-R mentality. That's the challenge. God says to you and to me, you're invited. He says to you and to me, you're invaluable. He says to you and to me, you're influential. And then we have a chance to respond to God by saying, and I'm invested. That's what it means to be all in. That's what it means to be all in. May the Lord find us all in. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we do ask that you would take our lives, our talents, our gifts, use them to your glory that we would be invested in the work you've called us to. We pray this in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. And so friends, we were...